0: And welcome to the Overland Journal podcast. I'm your host Scott Brady, and I am here with the
1: co-hosts
0: Matt S's of the Mattses.
1: Matt so S's. We, yes,
0: so we have the Matt Scott and the Matt Swartz. If it could not be any more confusing, uh, but we're going to talk about something. At least
1: his last name is not a first name.
0: That's true. He's the only one that's actually legitimate at this table.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't yeah. realize. Yeah, our initials are exact. <laughs> What's
0: your middle <laughs> initial?
2: Oh well. I've got a B for myself. Oh, I have a J. Oh, okay.
0: Oh. All right. All right. So J well, Matt B. There we go. Yeah. It's yeah. good to know.
1: So we're talking about full-size trucks?
0: We are. So this is the full-size revolution. Yeah. And we've talked a little bit about full-size trucks in the past, but Overland Journal is now publishing in our Gear Guide 2022, which is going to be coming out around the time that this podcast goes live, maybe a little bit before. We've got our full-size Overland Mm. Vehicle of the Year test, where we evaluated the Ram 2500, the Ram Ram 2500 diesel. So Cummins, we have a Ram 2500 power wagon. And they are- drastically different. They are super different, which is the only reason why one manufacturer got two slots is because they are, they could not be more different Mm. other than the fact that the doors look the same. That's about it. I mean, there's really not a lot about those vehicles that is similar. We also evaluated the Ford Tremor. We evaluated the Nissan XD. We evaluated the Toyota Tundra, the new, the brand new 2022 Toyota spanking new. Yeah, 22 Toyota Tundra. We've got a broad spectrum of vehicles that we evaluate there's a lot to say about each one of them which is why we're going to take the time to make this a podcast and then there's the ram so. TRX, which one it's the best because <laughs> yeah. i have it <laughs> yeah. we're going to take a brief break and we will be right back This week's episode is supported in part by iCamper They make innovative hard shell and soft sided roof tents that are designed to survive long term overland use. Their revolutionary X cover won the Overland Journal Editors Choice Award, eliminating the bulky PVC cover and also allowing for the fitment of crossbars for carrying bikes and kayaks. Their Sky Camp Mini is another award-winning design that provides a hard shell tent in the footprint of a much smaller clamshell model. This is the perfect solution for smaller vehicles or on vehicles where rack space is dedicated to other systems. iCamper believes that the best times are those spent traveling, discovering the world with those you love most. You can find out more about their quality tents at iCamper.com. Dot com Matt has decided that the winner is even the one after with the we-
1: least payload the <laughs> worst gas mileage
0: yeah, exactly. <laughs> and <laughs> there, literally some other vehicles we considered like the TRX we also considered uh, the new Hummer EV yeah. pickup there's a, a recently announced GMC 84x that Matt was able to take a look at in person which is a very compelling option we were fairly mindful around payload. Because if we can just all kind of think practically about a full size truck, like why own a full size truck if you're not gaining the benefit of payload or in Matt's case, 700 horsepower.
1: I was just going to barge <laughs> in and be like, power. <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly. So for the most part, if we're going to look at, and this is not true for everybody, and we're not trying to say that anyone listening should only buy a full size if they need payload, but because there's other benefits like comfort and stability on the road and towing capability and all that. But for the most part, for the Overlander, the reason why we start to look three-quarter ton and one ton is because we want additional payload. If the manufacturer offered a three-quarter ton variant, then we featured it. So Nissan offers a regular Titan and a Titan XD. We featured the XD. You can buy a Ram 2500. You can buy a Ford 250 with the uh, Toyota Tundra. You can only get the standard Tundra. So that's the reason why half ton ended up in the mix. You would definitely not want to leave the Tundra out, I think. So Tundra
2: is a great one. They don't offer any other engine options. There's two Two engines. Two
0: engines. Yeah. Good. Good question. It's actually a very interesting decision point because they have this new iForce, which is a 3.5 liter turbocharged engine. If you get it in an iForce, you get the 3.5 liter turbocharged engine, but then they bolt on this hybrid drivetrain, which includes an electric motor. So you go from high 300s horsepower to high 400s horsepower. You get within a very close, like a you know within 15 foot pounds of torque of 600 foot pounds. So you get like 500. 183 foot pounds of torque. So you end up That's 17. Yeah. I, I don't do the maths. I went to <laughs> elementary school. <laughs> yeah. I, well, yeah. I don't even remember elementary school. So we all have our strengths.
1: I'm actually surprised I got that right. <laughs> Maybe
0: after another PBR. Like what happens to brain cells on PBR? That's what I want to know. They become
1: much better. No, they become, oh. they become more Midwestern, which is why we're drinking PBR when talking about full size trucks. Okay. I got it now. It all yeah, comes yeah, around full sense. circle. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Corn They're fed. Really, yeah. This is a this is the this very is first Overland podcast. Journal. Yeah, Corn Fed
2: podcast. Yeah. I think it's actually Rice. Oh, it uh, is. That's Budweiser? Oh, yeah. Get out of here. What?
1: Yeah corn for pbr no it's just like regular stuff for pbr i think corn is natty <laughs> ice uh no, no no that's natural light i remember w- when i drank too much in college that was like the thing is like the beer of our fraternity is it was natty light natural light because it had corn in it and i went to school in peoria illinois oh
2: maybe gear 2023 needs a cheap beer okay didn't i
1: do something like that like 10 years ago for expedition
0: you portal. did yes yeah. you did yes you did it was perfect i'm timed. still around it was still it was perfectly timed.
1: i want to go dig that article up <laughs> exactly don't worry that was in the Joomla days. <laughs> that some make of, those, sense to some know
0: of those articles survived and some, some of,
1: them of them didn't. didn't. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. 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 So I, I, here's here's the thing with full-size trucks for me. I, I've been lucky enough to own like 87 full-size trucks, a wide spectrum of automobiles purposes
0: of editorial. Li- editorial license you just took is what you took.
1: Anyways. So here's the deal. Take the 2,500, 3,500 Ram. It is like within six inches of dimensions of a Jeep Gladiator, except that it's available with like 1,075 pound feet of torque when spec'd appropriately. Mm -hmm. It has like an eight squillion pound payload inspect yep. appropriately. So unless you're talking, you know, like really technical terrain, which let's be honest, like some overlanders are doing that, but most travelers aren't. Like the capability of these trucks has just become so immense that I mean, look at a, a an Aev Prospector Prospector XL PXL. Sorry, that's a truck on 40 inch tires that has ample suspension. Like it's it's great. Like it'll go. It's crazy capable. Pretty much anywhere you want it to go. Yep. Um, and you have one a commercial drivetrain, and then you have you know all that payload and all that space that you can actually modify with. And another,
0: another thing we found too, is that they Detroit, let's call it North American manufacturers. They produce so many full-size trucks. They cannot get it wrong. They don't dare get it wrong.
1: A bad F-150 or a bad super duty is bad for America. Like like so many jobs are, are are linked to to the automotive space. You know, we all kind of look after the, the 70 series land cruiser, you know, some of these overseas utility vehicles. Well, we just get to drive something with more power, better suspension air conditioned seats and we get more payload. More payload and we get to pay like half as much.
0: Correct. You can buy a 2,500 Ram tradesman for around 50 grand. I mean, that's if you want to talk about the bargain of the century, and we'll get into that in a little bit.
1: You know, there's there's in the realm of the diesel trucks, you know, that has one of the six sevens. There's a six seven power stroke, which is Ford. And there's the six seven Cummins for 2020. The six seven Cummins kind of got refreshed. It's a lot quieter. It's a lot nicer to drive. If you just sit next to a, a Gen four and what they will call like a Gen four and a half or Gen five, which is what's currently on the market, one is quiet and you can't hear it, and one is like clank 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 yeah. clank clank clank, 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 clank that,
0: which the- I still kind of like. I don't know.
1: It's it's cool, but the. The interior quality, build quality, and engineering of the, the rams really went up. Ford's Ford's kind of always been there. I mean, Ford six seven power stroke, the main difference between those two engines, one's a straight six, drives a little different. Drives the Cummins drives more like a diesel. I feel sure. like the six seven power stroke drives just really nice.
0: It does. And maybe we start with the Ford Tremor yeah. because it's such a groundbreaking, Beast? it's such a groundbreaking Sorry. product. We always had this power wagon that was this high watermark of capability, but it it was always, it always, in a way, in maybe a very clear way, it was neutered by its payload. So you had this- and their- it's engine choice. Correct. You had this very large vehicle, extremely capable. Um, with a rich history, it had a 1,500 pound payload and it was only available in the V8 gas. If you were in a place or you were the kind of buyer that wanted maximum capability out of a full size, it is no no question the most capable choice. But it's unfortunate that it's never been available with a diesel. And the way that it's been described to me by the Ram engineers is it's very difficult to put a front locking differential with a thousand foot pounds of torque. Like the size of the differentials have to be so massive yeah. to be able to take, imagine you know, because the typical consumer doesn't know this. So they go full lock to the left with a front lock differential and they're stuck in the mud. And next thing you know, you're blowing up U-joints like yeah. they're, like they're chiclets. So they really are limited in what they can do. Now, in my mind, it's always been, they make this excellent three liter turbo diesel, like find a way to put that three liter turbo diesel in with the power wagon and then give like an HD version or some like call it the Overland or whatever, because they own the trademark. That's Come
2: kind of right.
1: the
0: rep. Maybe. Yeah, maybe you're right. Yeah, maybe you're right. But to have a solid axle front and rear long travel front and rear locked small displacement turbo diesel power wagon to me would be the ultimate truck mm-hmm. um, but it doesn't they don't make it. it they don't make it that's what makes the
1: ford tremor so interesting and is that, that, that 10 speed that's in the tremor so is good it's like it's really good 2500 the ram side of things has the huge benefit of of aev correct I, i'll be honest if aev made ford stuff it, it, it would be hard for me to get behind the ram the ram sure. stuff it's just that with ram you have you have such excellent excellent aftermarket you have a you know you have a coil sprung rear end mm-hmm. ford has always always led with drivetrain
0: or at least in recent years for sure yeah
1: i mean it's not that the cummins isn't great i mean it you know it pulls like a freight train and it has that kind of diesel like uh, what is it is it, it it's like a 1025 pound feet of torque in the standard 1045 if i remember correctly okay. in the standard but, Tremor but then you have
0: yeah. instead of a six speed you have a 10 speed
1: that is the only thing with the ram that I just got rid of my 2021 Ram. It was a Laramie. Yeah. Laramie 2,500. Yeah, yeah. It was the Laramie, you know, had the comments, had all the right stuff. Beautiful truck. Really nice. Really, really handsome truck. Re- really sure. nice. But it just felt a bit with that six speed transmission. It was fine. It just, it was an old trans. Yeah.
0: Like, once you go, once you go 10 speed,
1: it's like c- compared to Ford's six speed, which is in like my earth the, I forgot the name for it. The Ram trans is worse than that. And that was a 2011 trans. I think this started as a five speed and then got got an extra gear added and it's just really long in the tooth. That's the
0: one real limitation with the Ram.
1: And then between the Ram and, Ford, where it gets tricky is that Ram will say best in class torque. That is only on the 3500, correct? When equipped with the high output engine that comes with the asin transmission, correct. So if you are in the market, not in the market for a, they call them one tons, but you know that that used to be <laughs> it, like the payload. It no longer translates even yeah. closely.
2: We had this conversation the other day. I was like, Scott, explain to me where those numbers come from because I can't figure out what it means. Yeah, yeah. and it, and now
0: it means nothing.
1: Right. It means nothing because
0: like a half ton has way more than a half ton of payload.
2: One means a 30 foot
1: toy hauler. One <laughs> means a 75, yeah. but you know, maybe one of my other beefs with the 2,500 Ram that truck only has in the eight hundreds only. Yeah, in the 800s of torque, but it has kind of a clunky transmission. It's not as refined to drive around town as the Ford.
0: You know, what's interesting to me is when I drive a 2500 Ram with the coil sprung rear end and the diesel, the Cummins diesel, it feels like the best, the most appropriate truck for me to drive.
1: It, it like feels it's, good. It's really,
0: like, inter- it's really interesting. It's And maybe it's because I'm I'm becoming more of a luddite than I think I am, but there's something so honest about a tradesman with 2500 with a cummins turbo
1: diesel that that motor pulls from the bottom it does I, I, I would almost argue that the the cummins just it does more with less you know it's like the porsche kind of thing like there's you know porsche guys are obsessed with like the mesger engine water-cooled 911s because they just have a certain something yeah the cummins just have a certain something
0: true the fact that you could take a fifty thousand dollar tradesman and you could send it to AEV right from the factory line in Michigan. And you can get a vehicle that is so appropriate for so many different things. It, I think you you that's put what it makes, makes it. Forties
1: for seventy grand. Yeah, that's, you, you can barely buy a Jeep Gladiator Rubicon for seventy grand right now. That's the thing. Is that the price, like roughly out the door for the Prospector XL? I it, think that's seventeen seven hundred and forty.
0: You may not end up with the snorkel and a couple other things, but you get the, you get the AV, suspension. You get the wheels. Yeah, you get the Aev treatment, and you end up with a vehicle for less than the Tremor, or about the same price of the Tremor that will then kind of own the Tremor on the trail. In In fairness to manufacturers, we really try very hard to just test vehicles in their stock state. And because any vehicle can be modified in a way to improve it, Uh, like Matt and I were, Matt Scott and I were talking about the Tremor and like my biggest beef with the Tremor is that the ride quality is It's not only inconsistent with the payload, like it has about a 2,500 pound payload and it feels like it feels like worse than a one ton. The ride quality isn't even consistent with the payload. It's just like totally inconsistent with the segment. It's just very abusive. Well,
1: Ford does these like I think that truck has two leaf packs. Yeah. Right. Two leaf springs. I've always said this like Ford has some of the best engineering and some of the like best or worst accounts that like sure. totally invalidate a lot of that stuff. And that's just one of the areas where they just like totally dropped the ball with that truck.
0: Maybe, or maybe they just expect people to overload them. I'm not, I mean, it would be really interesting to I, see what their strategy I is had, behind. I it. had the
1: previous generation F two fifty with the six seven. I mean, honestly, like a lot of the drive line is the same aside from the 10 speed, and that thing just Road so terribly yeah but to be fair we drove that against the ram back to back and the ram at that time rode even worse. I think the coil sprung rear has really helped the ram yeah. in a lot of ways. It's just that
0: that tremor was like, you knew it could get through anything and it even had the optional front winch. So you think about how much that winch weighs. So they put that in the front and it still, it still didn't really help. So like for those that are listening, the tremor is exceptional and we're going to get to conclusions at the end of the podcast, but the tremor is exceptional, but you need to go into it knowing that you have got, to change out the spring rates to your, particular, unless you're
2: gonna, unless you're gonna to your purpose, it
0: to your lot, purpose, yeah. Right.
2: I, I was gonna say, I think so. The Ross Monster Baja, which was a flatbed camper that I drove earlier this year, is as far as I remember was built on a Tremor platform. And my experience driving it was actually that it was extremely comfortable to drive. Oh, but gotcha. it was. loaded up. It had a large flatbed camper with like a roof that that lifted, I mean, bed, everything. So
0: was the suspension changed or was it pretty stock? I'm not sure. Yeah, sure.
2: (laughs) Well, I mean,
0: that's a really good point. And I think that you're both right in the fact that if you were to put a four wheel camper in it and put a front bumper on it and
1: Yeah. Let's not forget that ride
2: quality and payload are inextricably linked.
1: They are in many
0: ways, in many ways, with the exception of air suspension. That's yeah. the only way you get around it.
2: Yeah. I mean, I would say the same to the Ram, right? The Ram that I own when it's empty, it's pretty rough. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's not terrible. It, it works, but every full size truck I've driven so far, when it has a trailer hitched up or a camper in the back, it's way more comfortable. It, gets way, it gets way better. And so
0: I think that was the one thing for me that uh, there was a couple negatives that I found with the tremor. It was really unfortunate that you could only get the tremor in the four door. With the six foot bed. Like they restrict that package
1: a little bit. Because the Tremor is a package, not a truck. The Power Wagon is a model. The Tremor is something that's available from XLT, Lariat, King Ranch, and I don't think it's on Platinum.
0: Well, and the sad thing is, is that you can no longer, the popularity of the Tremor is so high that they've now removed it from the XLT. So you cannot get an XLT Tremor as for 2022 model year.
2: So it's basically an options package that can go on a variety of trims.
0: That's that's correct.
2: Yes. Now, to Ford's credit, if you want to get a rear
0: locker, you can still get a rear locker in any of those versions. You just can't get the front mechanical limited slip, torsion style that you can in the Tremor. You can't get the winch package. There's a lot that comes with the Tremor, including an additional lift, much larger tires. It was extremely impressive to me on the trail. Do they um, change all things considered, Yes, they do. They ch- they change a lot of things okay. in it. And the fact that you can get so front mechanical limited slip with traction control, crawl control, hill descent control, all of the off-road goods. 16.5 winch worn winch on the front um, with synthetic line dura tires like really premium package and it comes in at over seventy thousand dollars so it's the recognition that you're getting a lot of payload a lot of capability 35 inch tires from the factory but then the downsides are you've really got to pay attention to the ride quality tuning it to what you do you're limited to a six foot bed which if you look at like how cool would it be to get a single cab eight foot bed tremor you know you put a scout out in the back or you mm-hmm. put some other camper in the back yeah. of it and with that kind of capability you like you get the extended warranty and you never you like you never modify it like it's just you just run with it you just drive it yeah. because it's so so close to perfect and then the other thing that is noticeably different between the Tremor and the the Power Wagon other than ride quality is the fact that the Power Wagon has a disconnectable front sway bar which keeps the truck very level and extremely comfortable less head toss off road so that there is a much a much larger gap in capability between the two than you would expect where the Tremor has a little bit of a of an ace in the hole is a bigger tire so it's surprising that the Power Wagon is still only available with a yeah. 33 inch tall tire
1: yeah but you get the five link front end which actually flexes it you does you super the, yeah great flex you know yeah. the the ford has the radius arm front end which is fine but it's mm-hmm. just it's it's meant to fall and tow, and yeah, it doesn't summited. it's not it's not meant to flex you know that's that's one of the big differences between the power wagon and the diesel trucks is it is actually a different suspension architecture you get the 6.4 which has the cylinder deactivation which i think is really cool that motor is great i mean it's you know, it comes from the SRT line, but I want to say it has a different cam in it. A little bit more low-end torque where you're actually going to use it. Which mm-hmm. is cool. And then you get the 8 HP ZF transmission, which is fantastic. It's using everything from Rolls-Royce. It's the only thing that Rolls-Royce and Bentley agree on is that this is the best transmission that's on the market. Mm-hmm. And you get that in the power wagon. I also think the interior. first one, really nice. It's it's really nice. Their heritage Uh 75 year truck is beautiful, which, which integrated some of the limited features and things like that. Listen, they're all nice. Yeah. Right. Um, I want to say on the super duties, you can get massaging seats and you can kind of do whatever you want. I think that the, which is weird, but I feel that the fit and finish these days on the, we're not calling it FCA. We're calling it Stellantis. (laughs) Stellantis. It's like, it's like somebody went on like, what's the most awkward name we could call a car company. Corporate name generator.com and then put in a word cloud and Stellanus came up and they're like
0: oh yeah that's great it's like the combination of synergy and all kinds of really awkward
1: it's 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 really close to synergy which as you've
0: taught me run for those that are listening if you're ever about to do business with someone and they use the word synergy run run just hide run So there's a lot of synergy between the 2,500 and... (laughs) Now, Matt Swartz, you drove the TRX recently and the Power Wagon. If I remember, it was available for you guys to drive that day in the Cinders, was it? Yeah. yeah, What were your thoughts on the Power
1: Wagon? Not as good as the TRX.
2: Not as fun. Let's say that. Equally as comfortable. I mean, the interior is beautiful on those. And I would say comparing the Ram trucks to the Ford and GMC trucks I've been in, I personally, I think I like the Ram finish a little better on the inside. Overall, it's just beautifully executed. But just as the overall driving experience with the power wagon, I mean, there was only one power wagon in our group. Uh, I should say only one that uh, participants were driving. Nina was driving with us and she drove her power wagon. Sure. So obviously that truck's a little more subdued on the performance side of things than the TRX. It was incredible. And I mean, it did everything that the TRX did albeit a little slower maybe, but yeah, fantastic truck. I was so
0: impressed with it. Our crew, we did a trip up to Northern California and we ended up testing a nimble vehicle, but we drove a power wagon up there and back and it was a cruiser.
1: I mean, it was such a cruiser. If you can get beyond the diesel thing. Yeah, which is hard.
2: The power wagon's great. By by nature of the transmission. and And I think like you mentioned, you know, when you compare it to the diesel like that, the the difference in the suspension, for instance, I noticed that, you know, because yeah. my 2500 Cummins is my daily driver. So to get in the power wagon in an off-highway situation with roots and cinders and everything, you notice the articulation difference. You notice just how much different of a truck it is in all ways that I love, except we pull around an 8,000-pound trailer. So for us, the Cummins diesel makes more sense than the Powerway. Oh, totally. Yeah.
0: yeah, absolutely. All right, so the next one we're going to talk about is the GMC Sierra 2500
1: HD84. That's the one you just drove?
0: I just drove it, in fact, right before the article was wrapped up. And I've spent some time in the 2500s before, but never with the diesel. The Duramax, it surprised me. It's got numbers that are kind of close, like 950 foot-pounds kind of thing. Yeah. But it has a 10-speed transfer transmission as well. I
1: think it's the same 10-speed that's in the Ford. I think it, that was a co-developed transmission. Oh, it, it totally could be
0: because yeah. they felt so similar in that way. Yeah. If you blindfolded someone, the only thing they would notice in performance difference between the Ford and the GMC is that the GMC rides a lot better. Yeah. Like that's the only way you'd know. Have. That's the only way you would know you're in the GMC cuz in my mind they were on par as far as performance. And it kind of makes sense because the Ford has a bigger tire, a heavier tire that's trying to turn. So there's probably just enough difference between
1: the two. I think the GMC looks the best. It's, it looks really sharp. It looks really... And, and I am I am not a Chevy guy. I'm from the Midwest. It means that <laughs> I, was, I was assigned a big three manufacturer at birth. <laughs> Chevy just isn't that one, but it... Or, I'm sorry, GM.
0: It looks great. It does. The interior is better. The interior is really nice. It's the quietest truck in my experience. They're so quiet. Okay. This is... For all clarity, like if you need to buy something with a lot of payload and you want it to not destroy your spine, you buy a GMC. This thing drives like a half ton.
2: Yeah. Th- did that have the best ride quality
1: by far of all, hands down. By far. Even yeah. better than the Tundra. I, I don't and I don't know what they do in the cabs of those trucks, but they've just always been so quiet inside. It's been crazy. Every 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 like GM truck product I've been in. They're the most car like in the most complimentary way I could say that.
0: It's the only luxury truck brand. That exists. It's that's GMC's only purpose is to be the luxury truck brand of GM. They build a lot of of comfort, and they address a lot of noise, vibration, and harshness. But what's interesting around GMC, and we've never even considered their products before, they started this AT4 line because it never really met our expectations for capability. But now when you buy a 2500 HD with the AT4 package, you get additional skid plates, you get a two-inch factory lift, you get a 34-inch tall tire, you get a mechanical locking rear differential, you get an off-road mode in the driver selection mode, hill descent control. Some things that I think add to kind of what an overlander would need. The downside is it has less articulation than the, than the solid axle trucks. The torsion bar front still it, it is, and independent, yeah. And, and I think that that's going to change fairly soon, but the architecture of the chassis... Like your
1: 1500 has the coil it spring, coil over front end. Like, it does. Yeah, it's it's interesting. To me that it's coming. It's
0: still on. Yeah, it's coming, but the current model, it, it doesn't have that. So it's still torsion suspended fairly limited overall travel, um, which you do notice. Like in larger events or once the speed starts to increase. So you start to really notice that. For me, there's just not a lot of aftermarket support either for the GMC vehicles yeah. where, and again, we've come back to this. And, and maybe in some way we are a fanboy of, of AEV. We don't want to try to disguise a bias. I, I am a fanboy of AEV. Yeah. We don't want I'm to just, gonna, I'm
1: gonna I'm gonna disclose that.
0: Yeah, we don't want to disguise a bias that, that is, works. It's fairly it's exactly it works and it has worked for a long time. They put a lot of thought into the products that they it's make. just an entire and, system. Correct. I
2: mean, That's well integrated the engineering component of it too i mean that i've had some conversations with folks who know a lot more about vehicles than i do and with av it always comes back to they approach any kind of vehicle modification from an engineering standpoint they're going to maintain angles and geometry and all the engineering that was done for the oem truck and that's why their stuff works
0: (laughs) it's so it's so true and and because that was their strategy matt they actually now, when they make something, the OEM can decide to now offer it as a factory option. There's no other aftermarket company that I'm aware of. ARB does a little bit of that. The things that that AEV make, they are built to the requirements of a factory-delivered option. So that's why you all of a sudden see a bison come into the planet. And because it, all of a sudden, all this AEV stuff is now available on the lot at the dealership, which is really unusual. Yeah. So we don't need, we don't need
1: a, like, the AEV stuff. This is another AEV tangent. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, exactly. But when you talk about full-size trucks, you just, you just end up going down that road. Yeah. I mean, like a Prospector XL is just like, so rad. It's yeah. the baddest. Yeah baddest MF on the road. Like it just, it just works. Well, and a, and for a guy who
0: drives a TRX every day, like I you, get you get to say that. You, <laughs> you get I mean, to say that. You get to say that. Mine's faster. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the, a TRX is pretty bad. That's pretty badass. Yeah. So the, what I found with the GMC is highest payload or a 2,500 in the test. What was it? It was over 3,000 pounds. Wow. Dang. Exactly. That's so like stick a camper on the back of it and a bunch of bumpers and everything else. And it's like, meh. So no problem. Yeah. It has one of the better towing capabilities in the test as well and then it has the best ride quality so somehow GM has found a way to make something carry a lot of weight and also ride well I
1: too. will give so. them the most improved award like I know <laughs> yeah, that sure. this isn't an award that I can actually give but I just gi- did but I'm giving it you just and did. I will say that GM product like GM trucks, specifically like i think specifically like the 1500 and the 2500 sure which is hold on that that is gm trucks that's pretty much all of them definitely the most improved like they look good the fit and finish is much better interior way better
0: yeah when you look at full-size trucks that three liter 10 speed automatic 1500 pick a sierra or or pick a a chevrolet zr2 or whatever you want to pick. That combo is is kind of magic. And then nobody really makes that yet. So the fact that GM is able to stand alone with, especially now with the AT4X, so you can get front rear lockers, diesel drivetrain,
1: 10-speed automatic. It's, it's, it's actually it's pretty like, special. It's, it's what we've all been asking for. Sure. And no one, I'm not saying no one's buying it, but then they just continue buying Fords and Rams. Yeah, except that they're crushing it. They're AT4. I mean, and I'm
0: glad they're crushing it. Their AT4 package is crushing it, I see so. so
1: many of those AT4, uh, the breeder bar. Thing. Uh,
0: Talk to me. I don't know
1: what you're saying. No, the, the, the big ones with that seat like 14. Oh, yeah, yeah, the Yukon. The Yukon. (laughs) I call them breeder barges because only people who are on this planet to just have a shit of kids drive them. But at least now they're like kind of, they got a lift kit. Yeah. They
0: they got got a lift kit. kit.
2: You (laughs) know, like
1: it's a cool looking breeder barge. Like it's like, whereas, whereas the
0: AT4 Yukon, it looks great. Yeah. And it's got, yeah. Anyways, we don't need to spend a bunch of time on that. So the things that I found on the 2,500 that I, I cared for less was the fact that it doesn't have a driver selectable locker. I mean, we're in the age where that is now, now commonplace. Just give me the button. Give me the button, please, because it actually works. It's the best solution because if you turn it off, the car still has traction control and they can tune it to be aggressive. Whereas when you lock it, you stop spinning. And even the Tundra now has a rear locking differential. So I suspect that GMC is very aware of that because this is an interesting attribute that I found with this 2500. It has to spin the wheels. It's
1: like the Land Rover thing where it's like you're supposed to be, you're supposed to be the guys. Yeah. Someone shuts you down. Yeah. Because GM has the people on their development team that know this. They know that. And and someone is just not listening to them.
0: It'll come. The 1500 AT4X front and rear driver selectable lockers. So they know that that needs to happen. The Bison, the ZR2 driver selectable lockers. So they're just moving them through the line now. When you buy a 2500 HD today, uh, lots of wheel spin. They can't they can't intervene with traction control because if you do, then it won't lock the rear. So it's Mm -hmm. like, they're kind of in this catch 22 of like, Mm. I, I need to allow wheel spin for the rear mechanical locker to lock. Do you think that they're worried about the rear axle strength? No. I mean, the rear axle on that 2,500 is massive. Like maybe on the 1500, it's more of a concern. I don't know that. I know that there's a tire size recommended limitation on the 1500, but on the 2,500, it's, it's a, gigantic rear axle. Yeah. Yeah. The tractor control needs to have less intervention in order to allow the rear locker to engage. So once they put a driver selectable locker, then the the problem solved. That was one thing that I noticed. The other thing that's also a bit of a complication is the shape of the wheel wells. They look really handsome, but they're very
1: square. Yeah and fairly tight. For, for those of us looking at watching, the YouTubes, watch us on YouTube. It's it's a lot like this Overland Journal magazine. You see, most car companies have wheel wells like that. Wheel wells like this. The circle goes in, goes in here and it kind of allows it to move up and down. That's true. They've done it like this, <laughs> yeah. which means they can fit this tiny little thing. Yeah. And then as soon as you mess with, you yeah. know, lift or whatever, it ends up. Just, yeah, it just doesn't
0: fit. Yeah, it just doesn't fit.
1: Subscribe now.
0: So that's a challenge with the GMC, mm-hmm. is the wheel well opening short. Chevrolet has addressed that their new trucks are all round wheel well opening so they can already fit a larger tire no doubt gmc will address that too but in the current model that we're testing we are limited to about a 35 36 inch tall tire on a 2500 which like a power wagon can fit a 37 kind of off the off the lot lot. yeah Yeah. so
1: i mean let's also let's also take a step back let's let's check our tire privilege at the door 35s are quite large i mean i remember when 35s were like they were the bee's knees mm. i mean if you had a if you had a tj on 35s you were you were monster truck. You were you were king of the cornfield. Yeah. And now it's like Are you talking about you, Matt? Yeah. <clears throat> okay. I was the king of the cornfield. I remember that, TJ. It was terrible. <laughs> it's absolutely horrible. It was everything. It was like I went through the built catalog and it added it all. And then I drove it and it didn't really work. Yeah. You're
0: like, yeah. Scott, why am I stuck?
1: Why am I stuck? <laughs> One, I didn't know how to drive. And two, <laughs> yeah, lockers would have been a good idea. But bro, did you see my light bars? <laughs> they were sick. They were sick. All three of them. We're sick. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. They were sick. This was actually pre-light bar. Yeah. I don't actually know if I had any lights. You just had 35 KC oh, no, highlights. I, yeah. Driving lights. No, I think I had the Hella five hundreds from Walmart because I really afford them. I get I had those two. Yeah. I had those two for sure. Yeah. They were like forty-seven dollars.
0: And a special thanks to this week's sponsor, the when you're heading out, you don't want anything to hold you back. Whether you're planning a week-long adventure or a quick overnight trip to your favorite outdoor spot, we've got you. The Medix CFX3 powered cooler is designed with any size adventure in mind. The CFX3 allows you to bring more of your favorite food and drink along for the ride, no matter how far you plan to go. Available in multiple sizes, the CFX3 is built for the demands of outdoor use and comes with a handy app that gives you complete control at your fingertips. It's the state of the art design for rugged use cooler that you can rely on and enjoy for years to come. All right, so the next the next vehicle we're going to talk about the Nissan Titan XD Pro or X.
1: So here's my biggest thing with this is do you actually have to have a Costco membership card to buy a Nissan? Because I can't figure out why you would. We're gonna feel bad
0: if we say all this stuff.
1: Can I can I just be honest? Because that it was like the worst car I have driven. I, I didn't drive the XD, but I drove the, the Titan, Titan. The new Titan. Titan and it had some kind of name that you would expect from like a like a Costco Kirkland. Vodka or or rum. It was Maybe crazy. it was the Kirkland edition. It could have been the Kirkland edition. That's what I called it. You the, get a the pair of a le- elastic waistbanded jeans with it. Was, you do. Was terrible. Velcro shoes. I don't know how they can make it that bad. Yeah. Like knowing that. T- I mean, it was worse than the Tundra coming out. That was yeah. out. And they knew that they were coming out with a new one. I just don't understand the business. I don't. I don't know why you buy a Nissan. I'm sorry. I'm just going to be real honest. Can we
2: be fair to Costco and Kirkland, <laughs> and admit that they're both awesome?
1: That's true. That's true.
2: Yeah, yeah, they're good. Okay. Like they offer a lot of value. Um,
1: except for when I drove the nissan titan kirkland reserve it was more expensive than like the equivalent it was, ford it was, king ranch it was it was expensive wow there was there was nothing there i i remember when the xd came out with the cummins which is cool which was really cool, except that when you went to the lot to buy one, they didn't deal on them. Like you could go get a F two fifty with a six seven or a Ram or something for thousands less that had more power, more torque, yeah. more payload, more everything. Kind of think that they've just put themselves in the same position. Like I don't know how many like rental car fleets buy these things or how many like corporate lease business car people buy them. I don't get them. I just don't get them. Yeah, and they're very the fender sound systems cool. Though.
0: And then different. They're so different than the than the frontiers. So like the frontier has this legacy of relia- of reliability. Yeah. It's super capable and all that. I think the advantage that an XD has is that you end up with this kind of Japanese build quality, reliability with over two thousand pounds of payload. So it makes it a little yeah. bit competitive. They came out with the car and then the new Tundra hits, and what do you do? I mean, the I think the challenge right now is it loses the Cummins, which I thought was a gem of a little motor, and so now you've got this four hundred horsepower V eight. I think it's 5.7, 5.9, 5.9. endurance V8 is what they call it. Yeah. If you just get in it and drive it, it's pretty underwhelming. If you go into trailer mode, then it gives you or if you go into towing mode, it gives you the transmission starts to wake up a little bit. And there's some things that you can do to make the vehicle feel a lot more sporty. And if I did all of those things and I started to drive it more aggressively, then the car started to change my opinion a little bit. But I think the challenge is, is when you look at the, the approach angle, if you look at the breakover angle, if you look any of the attributes that we need, it's just it just doesn't hit the mark. It's, so.
1: it's minor league in the major league. There's nothing wrong with going and watching a minor league baseball game. Yeah. It's really entertaining. It's cool. It's whatever. But when you try and when you try and price it like a major league game, sure. Like there has to be value and that's just what I'm not getting from a lot of Nissan's products these days is is that they're pricing themselves in the major league but they're not bringing their A game.
0: Yeah, or they become like deeply discounted at the dealership give the consumer a reason to go check them out. Yeah. give them an, an argument to come consider the vehicle. The limited aftermarket support is also another challenge, I think, for Nissan. If I was Nissan- There's some Nissan people out a, there. A little bit, but- a little bit, but very limited compared yeah. to like a Tundra, for example. I mean, if I was if I was king for a day of Nissan, I would focus on the Titan being the vehicle that the Tundra is not. So I would make it a three-quarter ton, make it have payload and towing capability, and I would make it have round and three quarter ton though it is but i but i would i would just make sure that it was like a, a real three quarter ton like yeah 2600 pounds of payload and instead of 2200 and and i would make sure that it it had a japanese diesel in it and i would make sure that it became the vehicle something, something very different i think would be a big advantage to nissan on that and it's not to take away from the fact that. I think a Titan is just a fine, fine. full-size truck. But when you're talking about one of the most competitive automotive segments on the planet, you really got to bring your A game, not
1: your B game. So, Yeah, Pabst Blue Ribbon right here was a fine beer in 1893 it when it was selected as America's best beer. You would not enter Absolute Ribbon you would in not. a modern beer competition. You would not. And the Nissan Titan just does not feel modern. You know, it's got that new nine speed transmission, but it feels a bit clunky. I think that the it's dri- slow to the, shift. Yeah. yeah, it's slow to shift. I think the driving dynamics are pretty good. The vehicle feels relatively lively and comfortable yeah Um, but then but then you get like the i always pick on manufacturers for this they get the little molding lines on places like this fake leather plastic and then there'll be like a line that you can see on the edge where it was molded sure and that's just like i see that it's like i see that you would i I see that you would you wouldn't see that i mean you get it in rant fords but they just put it in like inconvenient places where you touch it like (laughs) like on the door handle where you like grab it on like it's like why is that so pokey it's like (laughs) (laughs) "Ah!" it's i kind fully of exfoliating my fingerprints. You don't get that in the Rams. You no. don't get that in the Toyotas. No, um, not at all. It's a really small example. I think that where Nissans make a lot of sense, where the Frontier, where the Titan and that kind of stuff is, people buy them, presumably like Costco Leases them for their employees as a Kirkland special, and then they get rid of them, and they just like fall off the face of the earth with resale. And then they're a really attractive proposition if you're in the market for a used vehicle. Sure, I think that the Titan is a fantastic choice because because then the value proposition starts to starts to actually come into play. You get a lot of truck for the money. Do I sure. want to have a Ram 2500 with 100,000 miles for $10,000 less than I paid for it, or do I want to have a nick easy to serve Service, cheap to service, Titan for half of that. That's where I really think the Nissan comes comes into its range.
0: And that's tough for Nissan, which is trying to sell new cars. Exactly. It's very difficult.
1: I, 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 does anybody here have a compelling argument as to why they should buy a Nissan Titan over Anything else that we've talked about? No. I actually,
0: Especially since the I, I small argue, displacement coming. I would start.
1: argue, as a new car buyer, it is actually the most expensive because it's going to depreciate the most. Yeah. It
0: came in at fifty-seven thousand dollars without get- without the diesel because yeah. the diesel is no longer available. When I looked at the pros and cons on it, one of the pros is it does have a sixty to one low range, so a lot, so of, control, a lot yeah. of control. A lot of control off road. Uh, you can get a rear locking differential, which is something like you can't get on the Ram twenty five hundred, for example. And then it does have a five-year, 100,000-mile warranty, which is not surprising because Nissan makes quality, reliable vehicles. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah, very clearance-restricted and a very sluggish drivetrain, like an uninspiring drivetrain.
1: But for $57,000, you can get a really nice Tundra. Yeah. You can get a power wagon. Oh, yeah. You can get a diesel 2,500 Ram. Yeah, you can get a standard... Kremmer 7.3 Godzilla Ford Super Duty. Correct. None of these things are in the same league. Yeah,
0: totally different. Unfortunately for yeah, Nissan. Yeah, no, totally different.
1: Like I've met a lot of people from Nissan. They're really
0: nice folks. I hope they crush it with the Frontier. The so new that,
1: Frontier looks so yeah,
0: good. I hope they crush front. it with the Frontier so that then they feel emboldened to do something with the Titan. Yeah.
1: yeah it's tough. So Tundra's next.
0: Yeah. And we, you're the only we, one that's actually driven. We talked We talked through so the power. So me and Matt are going to drink beer. <laughs> we talked through the power- Power wagon, power wagon, of course, pros, class leading capability, super comfortable. Diesel aside, I would,
1: of all of these vehicles, I would get the power wagon. But what about that 1500 pound payload? Like how does that sit with you? I'm just curious. Um, It's a valid point, right? When when you do look at the Tremor with the Mm 7.3, which is going to be basically the same price point as the power wagon. I just, like the fit and finish of the power wagon. True, more. I like true. its off-road performance more. Yeah. I, I do think that it struggles and I mean like look at that look at that articulation. It's pretty gnarly in the power wagon. I mean that's just that's insane. For the factory you that don't have the upcoming issue of Overland Journal on your iPad, you can see this in the upcoming issue of Overland Journal. <laughs> yeah. Paula the amazing producer
0: is Paula's going to put great. in is going to put in some Rich media with this that's going to be kind of fun. So, oh,
1: Paula, Paula 22. Yeah, we're all, yeah,
0: Paula 22 for sure. 20. Paula for president 22. We talked about the tradesman. I really, I'm a big believer in the tradesman package. Your sure. lariat, your lariat was a really, really nice truck, but there is something about the fact that you can buy uh, this, tra- and maybe it's even the name, but like when I see a rubber floor mat.
1: Yeah, it's, pick- I mean, it's stupid to buy one. It, is, it ends up costing you more money in the long run. You think so? If you make it like, like I, I've done this for almost every full size truck I've bought and you make a spreadsheet, okay. right? the market is flooded with X, you know, the XLs, XLTs, Tradesmen's, like, you know, generalizing for most of the markets, mm-hmm. right? When it comes on the used market, okay, are you going to, and everything's depreciated down, the Lariat, the King Ranch, the Laramie, that those kinds of things with exception of like the, the, the platinums and the uh, limiteds, right? Like the, the very upper echelon, those do tend to, have a bit of a value proposition that drops off. It's, it's usually people, people want the leather seats. They want that, the kind of the nicer stuff. I feel like that's the largest market and that those are the values of the trucks that hold their value the most. So that's, that's the one thing I always encourage people to look at is not just the purchase price. Cause if you're financing it, the purchase price is you know, it's going to be within 25 to $50 a month, but you actually may be throwing away more money and getting less of a truck when you go to get rid of it in a couple of years. And it, people think I'm crazy, but but honestly, no, I, honestly, look at it. Cause like the 50, you're probably, the, you're probably right. The $55,000 tradesmen, that's, I mean, they do equip those things pretty well. They put a heated steering wheel, available heated seats. That like they've kind of recognized that these are just basic things that people want these days. They do tend to depreciate more. Like the power wagons always have a great resale value. Because they're a power wagon, Mm. right? Like they are something Raptors, TRX is like these desirable trucks. People always want them because they're more desirable and they will pay more for them as they depreciate more people in the population can afford them. Um, So that is an, that's a, that's that's, a super, that's the Matt Scott gaming thing. But
0: it's also a totally valid argument, particularly if you're not planning to keep the vehicle for that long. I mean, the last car that I owned, I drove for 12 years. <laughs> so like like the G-Wagon, I literally drove the wheels off it. I would probably still want the tradesman yeah. without the giant screen. I want the rubber floor mats. I mean, up until 2018, you could still buy a Ram with a manual transmission. Which is awesome. Or maybe even 2019. But I mean, it's, it's heartbreaking that it's no longer available. I understand it. It's, it is not Ram's fault. It's our fault like those of us at scale. Yeah. Those of us at the table, everybody listening. And the
1: autos are just so good these days. Yeah. If we don't, if we don't
0: buy manual transmissions, they're going to stop selling them. So it's like, it's not the manufacturer's fault that they stopped selling them. And the manuals couldn't handle the amount of torque. That's true. They were very limited on that for sure. I remember driving Dave Harriton's like tray bed, single cab, 2,500 manual, maybe 3,500 manual transmission. It was just so joyful because it was so like fit for purpose, but they just not really, available anymore, although I, I do every once in a while like go on to car gurus or whatever and like search for that truck because part of me just wants to buy it just because but I think Mario bought it. Yeah, he did. Uh, and, well, and, and, yeah, <laughs> it's in Dave, Prescott, bro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dave reached out. He's like, "Hey, you want to buy my truck?" And I'm like, "Oh, I don't know." Um, and I should have, of course. But congratulations, Mario. The tradesman comes in at a, about a 2,500 pound payload, 55 grand with a diesel motor. I mean, it is just almost free. I mean, it, it's silly to say that, but when you look at how expensive cars are today, to get a Cummins turbo diesel 2,500 pickup with
2: four wheel drive, a million mile truck, it is. That it, was that was the most compelling reason for us. I mean, it's just it's the best deal. It's the by far. Did you get you a know? tradesman. I did. Yeah.
1: Oh, yeah. And oh, i have mean, a tradesman owner here. Sorry yeah. for insulting your financial <laughs> purchase.
2: Well, it's not insulting. You know, I think I think you made a really good point. You know, if you if you are a car owner who does plan to sell or trade your car in on a somewhat regular interval, that. Is absolutely a smart thing to consider. Like in our case, I, I don't think we will. I think we're hoping to keep the truck, you know, pay it off, and just own it. And drive how long it. have you had your Toyota? We sold the Prius. <laughs> yeah, but how long did you have that? Oh man, I mean, it was a 2008, and we just sold it this year. Okay, there you go. Yeah. So like
0: you, you're gonna get all of that you want out of that tradesman.
2: Yeah, yeah. And I mean, in in our case, like I just didn't couldn't afford all the fancy trim stuff. It's, sure, it's awesome to have the like like we've said like the Rams are incredible, the the high end ones. But I mean, the tradesman is every. Everything we needed. And I have ambitions of once we're done towing the airstream around, pulling the box off and doing a flatbed camper. I mean, sure, I just won't feel bad about like doing that to a, a higher trim level truck. Totally. We'll get beat up a little bit more, but, but either way it is so affordable. And for people that are looking at these full-size trucks and thinking, how can I ever afford that? Like the tradesman is a way into that, mm-hmm. that segment of vehicle, you know, at least it was for us. I mean, and it's so cool to be able to get that.
0: I mean, just compare that vehicle to just about anything else. Like it's pretty hard to actually Buy a forerunner for less money than that. I mean, you kind of got to work at it to buy a Wrangler with some capability for less than that. For what
1: that comes with, it's unbelievable. And you have to think that $10,000 of that purchase price is the motor. So I think it's, sure. I think it's mm-hmm.
0: 9,000.
1: Oh, it's a $9,000 option. Yeah. yeah totally. Option. Yeah. Totally. Um, I think it's like $9,840 or something. Not that Sounds it was right. just building a 3,500 online today. It, it actually kind of makes you question like, you know, let's talk same company Gladiator. Yeah. Gladiators are now
0: rapidly approaching the seventies. Oh yeah. You buy a diesel Rubicon. You're there.
1: You're there all day long. Well, you're 70. Yeah. What yeah, has yeah. more value? The Ram is designed to haul heavy stuff around and, and the, dimensions aren't that different. Gladiator's no. better around town and sure, cheaper sure. to service. And- oh, and they're and they're awesome. They look great. They're, I mean, there's so many upsides,
0: but when we talk about full-size trucks, I mean, and we'll get to that at the end, like our own personal picks. But so when it comes to the pros and cons on that tradesman, you're talking about an exceptional value with a diesel drivetrain. Yeah. It's really amazing.
1: Um, and a cor- diesel drivetrain that you can service, which I think is like, that's the, I'm rambling. I talked with the two 6.7s. Kind of weird. I own both at the same time. I had a 21-2500, which I traded on the TRX when I had an opportunity to grab one. Um, and I have my Earthromer, which has the 6.7s. Same drivetrain or same engine that is currently in, in in the modern ones. It terrifies me. To change a belt, I think I have to take off like intercooler tubes and, and sure. intake and coolant lines and all of this kind of stuff to get to it. Where with the Cummins, it was like there's the injector pump, there's the alternator, yeah. there is the starter, because it's you can, see all you, you can, can see, see all you can see all the rattly bits. Yeah. You can, you can see, can see them all. Yeah. I, I think for you know, that's why like what, what you're trying to do is drive it into the ground. Like I would much rather in totally. ten or fifteen years. I mean, truthfully, I to service the six seven, most of the time you take the cab off when my yeah, the
0: four six seven for sure.
1: Let me just clarify this. When my six seven blew up, they had to disassemble. the entire front end of the truck because they couldn't take the cab off because of the earth roamer camper on the back it was a nightmare i think there's just so much merit to the six seven cummins it might not have the the
2: highest end torque or but how it makes the power there i think i mean chime in matt but like there's something to that motor it's special like when you push the accelerator down and especially like when the airstream's being pulled behind it it's got this like this yeah it's incredible i mean like a locomotive yeah Yeah, and you feel it like you feel this like low frequency vibration from It and sure. you're just like, Oh yes. man, yes, there it is. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Go, baby. <laughs> No, it's incredible. I mean, yeah. we'll pull the, the airstream. It will pull it at 90 miles an hour if we want. Not, Amazing. not that that's safe, but it's just, yeah, it's, it's incredible what you're getting. Yeah. In that
0: a, there's a lot. And the fact that you, so you end up with this Cummins turbo diesel, you end up with a coil sprung rear suspension in the 2,500. And then you end up with the availability of having the Aev prospector package thrown on it and coming in at about the same price as, a tremor. So when you just start to actually do the real world numbers, it becomes very compelling. Now there, like anything, there's a con too. I think the lack of a rear factory locking differential is a downside. It's a deal the it has a the off-road package which matt has in his Mm -hmm. and you had in matt both matt's had in their trucks it has a limited slip differential which combined with an aggressive traction control system is actually very impressive off-road so i don't want to make it think like the vehicle is not capable but it there's there's something about the control that comes with having a driver selectable locker that i think is really advantageous it lacks a rear locking differential manually selectable and then it comes with a six-speed automatic so you end up with a much less low range crawl control. You end up with these noticeable shifts. You end up with poor, poor, yeah, poor, brr, fu- brr. Yeah, poor fuel economy compared to the Ford, for example, um, which the Cummins has always kind of won the fuel economy game. So uh, the fact that the engine is very efficient, but the transmission doesn't fully take advantage of it. Those are some things worth noting, I think, on the 2500.
2: I was actually curious about that. And maybe you can speak to that. But fuel economy across all of these vehicles, what, what did the best in terms of fuel economy? <laughs> all right.
0: I have the chart here. Oh,
2: uh-huh. Man, Oh This guy's got a chart.
0: The one that did the very best was the Tundra, which makes a lot of sense. These were our observed fuel economy. So I don't drive. There's qual- no like fixed test loop. EPA no, style. there's not. This, this is, just is like, yeah, this, this is like is
1: what we got when we used it. Exactly. Assume that you're probably kind of driving like we are. We're not trying to hypermile.
0: Yeah. There was no attempt to hypermile. I don't drive fast but I certainly do not drive slow in the tundra we were able to get 18.2 miles per gallon in the the one that was a bit of a surprise was the Ford Tremor so and it's it's really about that 10 speed automatic so we got about 18 miles per gallon in that now here's the thing at the end of the day they were all extremely close with the exception of the Power Wagon here we go Ford Tremor 18 miles per gallon Sierra 2500 17.1 Nissan XD 17.5, Ram 2500 Tradesman 17.8, Toyota Tundra 18.2, and then and then the Power Wagon was 14.2. Oh, wow. So, um, they probably all cost about the same to run though. Yeah. Well, except for the other gas versions. Yeah, the Tundra would be probably These the least cost more, yeah. Yeah, the the Tundra would probably be the least expensive overall to operate. And the Tundra, which we're going to move into that right now. The Tundra is a ripper. I mean, it is it looks good. It is very fast. If you drive it with the iForce. force it's very, very fast. Like
2: that's it, the hybrid yeah. with
0: the turbo. Yeah. There are people now that are that are racing it against the Ford Raptors because it's like it's super fast. So wow. the I force hybrid with that makes five hundred and eighty three foot pounds of torque and almost five hundred horsepower, it's quick. And with that five link rear suspension, it it just works. So the 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 interesting thing about the tundra, it's it's something that I think is important to spend some time on because it's a Toyota product, which is very popular with our listenership and our readership. But the Tundra was was always just a really good truck. Like if somebody wanted to tow their
1: boat or they were just, they did a lot of like Home Depot runs or they had a big yeah. family or whatever. The Tundra was always the vehicle that you could soundly recommend to someone that you actually wanted to talk to after <laughs> yeah. they bought it. Yeah. yeah. Like there's never going to be disappointed in yeah. a Tundra
0: for sure. Toyota is always super conservative on everything. So the, the tundra's always had terrible payload. Like nobody really cared. I mean, just yeah. yeah, you just, you're
1: just like, yeah,
0: let's just treat it like a one ton and then and somehow they magically survive. Like, like those little Toyota pickups that you see. Totally. Somebody swapped like a dually rear axle. Yeah, and- totally. And then an entire RV on the back of it. Yeah. yeah. And that's, I mean, you know, you look at CNN at night and here's like, here's a 50 cal plus a rocket launcher and 87 dudes hanging off of the back of a Hilux. That's the reality of what we see with it. the Tundras, particularly in the overland space, is that they just load, they don't even pay attention to payload, but there's a pretty heavy one on the cover. Sorry. of Sorry,
1: Clay, but you did not pay attention to payload on this one (laughs)
2: maybe he did have you have you seen that instagram account (laughs) it's uh it's called toyotas of war it's so good. Yeah. yeah, I've
1: been featured on it several times. It terrifies <laughs> me. It's, it's, so, it's so good. Yeah. It's such a
0: great one. Tundra is an all new vehicle. I mean, there is not a single part that's shared with the previous model. So we're going to talk about the highlights around the Tundra. So the Tundra shares the same chassis as the 300 series Land Cruiser. So like when you start the conversation with the new Tundra is built on the Land Cruiser chassis, that's already a showstopper. Yeah. It's already amazing. They got rid of the leaf springs in the rear. They have a five link you can get an airbag suspension depending upon the model it's got a locking rear differential now it's got a TRD Pro with additional lift great suspension all those other things it drives very nice and it also drives at speed very confidently mm. and that is something that in full size trucks is not always the case full size trucks tend to surprise you a little bit um and that's something that I don't like as an evaluator I don't like it when a vehicle's like you're hanging it out you're pushing the limits you're pushing the limits it and then over the limit yeah Exactly. And then things things start to fall apart very quickly. That I don't like to see. The Tundra does not do that. The Tundra is predictable, predictable, predictable. Howling tires, predictable. Tires are howling more. It's very neutral. So now you're getting a little bit of oversteer, like I'm talking on the pavement, pushing this truck like you would a sports car. And it's extremely predictable all the way and past the limits, which is unusual in this segment. The engine is a joy to drive. People are going to get hung up on the fact that you're going from a 5.7 to a 3.5. Please get over it.
1: The 5.7 was so ancient. Yeah. And it was just not efficient. It wasn't a good
0: motor. It wasn't, it was super reliable. Yeah. Like literally throw it off a cliff kind of a motor, but it was never efficient. And it never did a good job of moving either the Land Cruiser or the Tundra around. Whereas this with their 10 speed transmission, it's just, it's just really impressive. I mean, it, it literally is impressive on the road and off road, which I think is a big deal. Um, the fact that the Toyota has come around to making such a powerful engine out of a small displacement, their EPA highway is 22 miles the gallon. You can get wow. it with a hybrid, a hybrid drivetrain as well, um, which makes it even more powerful. So their premium motor gets better gas mileage. It's faster. I mean, this is, it's, it's really like a seven second truck. It's really fast. And people have even done a little better than that. So yeah, compared to the TRX, but people have even done better than that. I mean, yeah. like when they're racing them now. I'm just being... who I am. The fact that you get multi-terrain select, rear locking differential, definitely the best handling truck in the test. Land cruiser kind of underpinnings, which is extremely impressive. But then there's also some cons. So you would think that this five link would have better articulation. Nope. Nope. It actually has less articulation than the outgoing truck. Oh, okay. We found out why. And the reason for it is where they, because of the packaging, the rear suspension, where they have to put the shocks, the shocks are much further out. So the more inboard you make a shock for one inch of movement of the tire ends up being much less than one inch of movement of the shock. So the further you put that shock absorber out to the tires or the closer you get them to the tires outboard, then the longer the shock needs to be. So they were limited on packaging. Uh, When it came to the Land Cruiser, they didn't have the same packaging constraints because it isn't a bed and there's a occupant, a passenger area. So the Land Cruiser has a lot of articulation. The Tundra has less. So you notice that. So it lifts a wheel pretty easily. Uh, It still feels very stable. It's a wide truck. It's not like it's unsettling or anything like that, but you would hope that it would get more articulation. So how do they solve that as Toyota? Stick a locker in the back and then you don't care. They fixed the problem, which fortunately they did that. Mm-hmm. Fortunately, they didn't say, oh, a track's going to solve the problem. And it, cause it wouldn't have. But the aftermarket will figure that out.
1: Yeah. And honestly, an outboarded shock is also has some advantages. Tons right? of advantage. Stability. stability.
0: Mm-hmm. This truck will tow 12,000 pounds. And in the TRD Pro variant, you end up with a 1600 pound payload. It's the reason why the truck didn't do better in the test, is that at the end of the day, it's not Toyota's fault that it's a a half ton truck. It's really not. It's just the fact that there are medium sized trucks, there are mid sized trucks that have nearly the same payload as a Tundra. And so when you look at a Ranger that has pretty much the same payload, it makes you realize that Toyota still has a lot more that they can do on the payload front. And if they can take a little bit of a risk and realize that there are going to be customers that need something closer to that 2,000, 2,200 pound payload, so that true one ton payload, um, then they're going to end up, I think, doing a lot better in this segment, particularly in the land. I mean,
1: again, You're the only one that's driven this truck. What's the payload on like a, I don't know, what what do they call their Laramie or their, like it's not the TRD, it's not the performance truck. It's, you know, it's got leather seats or whatever. It's, you know, the... The one that that most of them, most people buy.
0: Oh yeah. So they, they have a limited edition, which is extremely popular. I think they've got some new editions coming out that I can't, I don't think I'm allowed to speak to at this point, but so they've got some new
1: Texas edition.
0: (laughs) Well, they do have a 1794, which I can talk about. That's been released. Um, seven
1: makes me cringe. (laughs) Yeah. It's like pandering to Texans. It's like, ah, you're from Texas. That's an, that's an interesting, you a trip that freedom pick <laughs> it out at the texas truck rodeo and we're gonna take it to the texas state fair and you're gonna love you're gonna love this toyota tundra we're even gonna make it in texas except everybody from texas is from like cleveland ohio or something now. anymore for sure yeah and toyota they're from like torrance well they're from japan but yeah well like all the people that <laughs> used to work for toyota well that work for toyota in texas now from torrance that's true but the texas truck rodeo 1794 freedom all of this is (laughs) pandering you speak lots of it's
0: pandering it's very valid uh the 1794 comes from the property that the manufacturing plant is on was a ranch oh and it was the 1794 okay so the ranch i thought that was like the the texas stadium so it's actually it's actually a thing it's actually a thing oh is um that in 1794, the ranch started, the current manufacturing plant is built on. So it's kind of a cool story.
1: It's a little more- Cowboys, you should buy this because we're going to make you rich when we buy your ranch for our factory.
0: Well, yeah. Texans know that.
1: Texans know land and oil, don't they? It's like like the King Ranch. It's like, I don't think Ford has ever been near the King Ranch.
0: (laughs) Yeah. No, they need the King Ranch to breed all of the cows that go into the leather in the King Ranch, I think. Yeah. So they, they do have a 1794 and you get it. You can put a TRD package on it, which is kind of nice. So anything you can add the TRD to, so you can add a rear, you can add a rear locker to pretty much anything, but if you want air suspension, you can't get the TRD package. So let's say you end up with a 1794 TRD where it's got all of the fancy stuff and the longer wheelbase. You can get a four door, six and a half foot bed. Now you start ending up in the like 1400 pound payload area. Oh,
1: so it goes down from the TRD. It Because so d- what down. I was trying to make an yeah, argument for was like, I wonder if with the, the TRD pro package, if they're... The
0: only way you game it is to do an SR5 TRD. That's the only way you game it. And it's important for everybody listening to know that. So if you want to game the TRD game or the Tundra game, you buy SR5 TRD. And then that gets you at about 1,820 pounds of payload, mm-hmm. which is, is starting to be very respectable. So it's like, it's like a, basically a Ford Ranger. It's more than a Ford I Ranger think- to Toyota's credit. And that has not been the case with them. So I think, I mean, maybe you and I want to take some credit for this because we love Toyotas, but we also want Toyota to give us some payload. Love maybe, Toyota. maybe they're listening. And now you can buy a Tundra, with very close to two thousand pounds of payload, that's cool.
1: Which is awesome. I'm down. I'm gonna. T- that's all because of me. I'm not gonna give you any credit. <laughs> I don't even know these people. You brought the beer. I brought established in Milwaukee, 1844, just like <laughs> the ranch was in 1794. You should definitely <laughs> buy our pickup trucks, stickers. So Tundra, Tundra the like, pro, the pros. If you're gonna do the Gladiator, okay. Tundra gets a thumbs up.
0: 100 gets the thumbs up? It, it gets the thumbs up because people are going to still load them to the moon, but it's actually ready for that now. It's still going to work. And it's going to work fine. I mean, like those of us who own businesses, we can't do that. But like, you know, and yeah, anyways, we don't need to go into the payload train for too long today, but you get a a rear locking differential, you get multi-terrain select, you get the best handling truck in the segment, Land Cruiser chassis. The downsides are you have less articulation than the outgoing model, which is kind of a surprise. This is the craziest thing. You buy a TRD Pro, you buy their off-road version of the truck. You do not and cannot get front recovery points. Do they think it's never going to get stuck? Or like, hmm. I mean, and what they said was it's something about aero requirements or whatever. Every manufacturer on the planet has figured that out. You put little covers on the bumper. Like if it's aero, I get it. Like it's aero. It's the only hmm. way you get to what you're trying to do. I'm not buying it at all. Skeptical cat is skeptical. Yeah. And it's rare that I'm that skeptical, but I'm super skeptical. I actually think that they designed an amazing truck. And one day they woke up and they're like, oh my gosh, we totally forgot front, front recovery points. I mean, that's all I can think of because it makes no sense. Because any other truck you look at, AT4, GMC, any of the other trucks you look at, oh. it big red tow hooks on the front. Yeah. If you look at a
1: Tacoma, does it, does it have like big a, red tow hooks on the front. Does it have like a lashing point? It has nothing on the front. It this has is really great information to know because I'm just going to make recovery points for the front of these now.
0: Yeah. So- like all they needed to do was like in the bumper, you create like a little cap. If you, mm. if you, if you buy a Porsche Cayenne or if you buy a, you know, any, you, you know, you take the little cap off, you, you screw in. the, the little thing. Yeah, thingy yeah in. exactly. So maybe on the Tundra, what they do is you have a cap and then underneath there is the cool red tow hooks. Are you skeptical of that? Oh, I'm yeah, skeptical. I'm not buying. That. I'm totally not I mean, buying that's, it. that's, that's. Crucial to have it's recovery super, points. Super, super cru- Well, especially when the vehicle is specifically designed for off-road use. Yeah.
1: So yeah, you have to engineer in proper recovery. Well, points. that's why in Texas we get the seventeen ninety four edition that has recovery point.
2: Well, <laughs> yeah. it is a Toyota, so it's going to have plenty of aftermarket support.
0: Yeah. So that that's totally valid. Still, it was just it was just interesting. Still. Like it's just interesting that huh. that that's like. You get the locker, you get the, you get great tires, you get great suspension, Fox suspension, you get all of this stuff. And then there's, there's not a single recovery point on the truck yeah, other than, like, huh. other than the receiver hitch, which is not optimal anyways. Like it's easy to be, to be very, and they're trying to ingratiated to, like be to Toyota because
1: like they're TRX kind of thing. Yeah, and maybe, maybe I don't think so. The TRD pro has always been like a really smart choice, but I think so. It's always been the. Man, I don't want to say the Costco version of a Raptor, but
0: no, I don't think they're even close. I, I think, think it's just like really it capable. Yeah. I think you would compare you would compare a TRD Pro to a Power Wagon. Yeah. In that. my in my mind, uh because it's just it's really good. It's a really really good truck and they're going to sell a ton of them. Deservedly, I would just I would love to find a way to get. Maybe they don't call it the TRD. Maybe they call it the the Overlander in honor of Clay and his involvement, or whatever they they call it. Something that gives us the capability and the capacity that we need. Um, Even even two thousand pounds or twenty two hundred pounds starts to solve a lot of problems. I guess the question is
1: how does it. And, and I don't have this in front of me, but how does that stack up to a 1500 to a half ton truck? Cause it's a half ton truck with a three quarter pound. Ton payload. Maybe they still think that that means something. Yeah, whole, I have ton three quarter one ton. Something.
0: I don't know. I mean, they're they're competitive with a lot of the vehicles on the market. though. The one outlier is the Ford F one fifty, and it's actually worth talking about for a second before we wrap up. But the the Ford F one fifty is this interesting vehicle that you can actually spec up to three thousand pounds of payload.
1: It's crazy. I think
0: we kind of got to put. The half, the whole idea of what a half ton and a three quarter ton means. Yeah. Um, because it, there is so many, there's these trucks have so many options and they can be con- configured in so many ways, but you could buy a Ford four wheel drive, regular cab, eight foot bed, F 150 with a 3000 pound payload. Which is more than your twenty five hundred, Matt?
2: Yeah. So it's kind of crazy. So it's it's totally possible to your twenty five hundred. It's I think it's between like twenty three and twenty four hundred on ours. I I
1: think on mine it was like it was like eighteen hundred. It wasn't. It could be because yours was really optioned up. Yeah, it it wasn't that much. Yeah, which was surprising.
0: It starts to once we add the options and the sunroofs and all that other stuff, it really does take an impact for sure.
1: So, we should wrap this up. We should. So,
0: Matt Swartz, give me your pick. I mean, you drive a 2500 Tradesman. I was
2: going to say this is going to be a little biased cuz I own I own the Tradesman. Would uh, you buy it again now that you've driven it for 6-8 months? Absolutely. Yeah. It's nice. it's so comfortable. It does everything I want. Just it's like it's such a solid choice, I feel like. I mean, if we were talking that money was no issue, I'd probably still stick in the Ram ecosystem and yeah. maybe maybe do maybe the power wagon. But Mm. again, like coming back to the fact that we're currently living full-time in our airstream and we're towing it often, I I think, yeah, I I would stick with with the tradesman. Yeah. 500. That would be my choice. Yeah.
0: That Cummins is special for sure. Yeah. Okay.
1: I'm
2: too predictable. You go.
1: Okay.
0: I would pick the tradesman and I'd send it to AEV. I would
2: pick
1: the tradesman and send it to AEV. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Here's the deal is I actually... What I want is I want the Ram truck, but I want the Cummins motor to put out the same amount of power that the 6.7 power stroke from Ford does with the 10 speed, which I know is
0: amazing, which, which I'm sure is coming,
1: has to be coming. So like, I I really think for me that, uh, you know, there was rumors that it was going to happen. There's rumors that there was going to be, you know, an upgraded Cummins motor that basically the high output motor was going to become the standard engine, which they have kind of done before. So that's a playbook. Sure. It's already done. Engineering's done. And they're going to put an Allison behind it. And that would be. Chef's kiss.
0: These poor manufacturers right now,
1: they cannot they, get they the chips. They, well, can't, they get can't get the change chips. Anything. They can't get the chips. It's not just the chips, it's everything that's sitting off the, you yeah. know, offshore right now. Totally. So they can't. They don't dare. I mean, it kills us at Maxtrax. It's like we have so much stuff on the water and we don't know if it'll show up in six weeks or six months. Yep. Like, how how do you prepare for that? Sure. And then how do you forecast for that? And how do you... Especially
0: you know, for a world that has been tuned towards global commerce. Yeah. You know, where Maxtrax are made in Australia and they're shipped to the United but States. But I only have
1: one part. You know, I have like some colors to it. But imagine a car company that has... Insane. You know, 100,000 different components. It's insane. That go into one thing. It'll be interesting. I think that the RAM is just going to continue to get better, especially with the direction that we've seen that company go in, the mm-hmm. they've brought on. The people that are doing their interiors are just like super top-notch. I have the TRX right now. That's the newer style cab. That's why people call it the Gen 4.5 RAM HD because it kind of took the, the 1500 cab, which won all these awards, like the interior of it, sure. and they put it in the old cab. I didn't have to retool for all the body work and maybe it was some sure. new fenders or something like that still looks really But
0: The good. the body is not dated in my mind. I think it's one of the more no. handsome but profiles. eventually they'll
1: go to that gen five. Cam. Yeah. Is kind of what people. Think sure. That the, the more yeah, squared off shape. Yeah. It's, it's nicer. It's quieter. It's better constructed. And that to me, that yeah. is what I'm really excited for. That That's will be what you're my next. For. That'll be my next. I got gotcha. you. And gotcha. it'll replace the gladiator <clears throat> and it'll replace
0: the TRX Cause it'll just kind of do it all. Yeah. I've been driving a full size truck for almost a year now and I'm kind of sold on it. Like it just does. It's amazing that I can drive back and forth to work. Yeah. I get, if I drive lightly, I can get 30 miles of the gallon.
1: Yeah, you've got that.
0: Three liter turbo diesel. I can put a camper on the back of it. I can go to Home Depot and load it full of stuff. I finally understand the full size thing. It works. I mean, I I don't want to mislead the listener. Like I have so much to learn still about the full size truck segment, but I'm finally beginning to understand the argument for it above other vehicles. So
1: They're not super maneuverable off-road, but if you're just... But they can be. That's a thing. Its for, minds for, continue for to west, impress me for the West Coast. I think it's a different argument than the East Coast, where you have all of these trees and mud and off-road. Yeah, parks. or Pacific Northwest or would probably Pacific be a Northwest, problem. Where yeah, where we are at in the Southwest,
0: or for traveling in general, or for traveling. Yeah,
1: Baja. I could think of no other truck that I'd want to do it in. I mean, I've done it in a Land Cruiser, I've done it in Gladiator, I've done it in a full-size truck, I've done it in a bunch of different things. It just makes sense.
0: Yeah, there's not and a lo- there's not a local down there that doesn't drive those roads with a full-size truck. Of course, in two-wheel drive.
1: Or like a 1984 Toyota Corolla. Yeah,
0: sure. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. So that's our picks. Thank you all for listening. The full-size truck segment is exciting and it continues to grow and to become more and more capable and more and more suited to overland travel. Uh, We would love to get some comments from all of you. What vehicle are you using? How are you using it? What are some of the attributes that you're finding to be even different from what our experience has been? Uh, You can reach me at scott.a.brady on Instagram. You you can see Matt at Matt, Matt, well, Matt, Matt Scott at Matt Explorer. And then Matt Swartz, yours is Matt. It's, it's m.b.swartz. m.b.swartz yep. on Instagram. So if you guys want to reach out, you have additional questions or comments, things that we can add into the yeah. next segment around full sizes. We'd love to hear it. What a very cool segment. And we thank yeah. you all for listening.
1: And I apologize to the people of Texas for the accent. It
0: wasn't very well done. Have a good one. And on that bombshell, we will talk to you all next time.